It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN, and it is a Thursday as the weather starts to change big time on us. As uh, I don't even want to, you know, don't if you haven't listened to or looked at the Easter forecast, just just don't, just don't, just let it happen, and it'll be much better. Jason Jorgensen's here along with Bob Brogan. In Susan Littlefield, we were having some problems connecting with Susan. Can you hear me yet? Um, I can hear you, but it sounds like you're coming from Kansas, but that's okay. Well, I've been to Kansas before, but whatever. So what do you got for us today? Well, a couple things that we're going to look at. The angler journey continues here at 1219. We're going to hear more about a gal who grew up on a dairy farm in Nepal and came to Nebraska to study ag economics and explore, that is, his entrepreneurship capabilities, and thanks to Alex uh, for bringing us that report. Then at 1245, we'll also hear again from Alex. This is on the Sam L. Smith is an FFA member from Kentucky, and he recently released a new song that's dedicated to the FFA organization titled Blue Jackets. And we'll wrap up everything at 117 with Chabella Guzman as she talks with Michael Schmidt and Lex Maiden, co-owners of Torrington Livestock Market in Torrington, Wyoming, and Senator Deb Fisher on the cattle price manipulations. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it. Thank you. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen now, and the world uh, becomes tougher sometimes to find stuff to talk about. Sports, did you hear about the guy today in California that said something about they wouldn't get back to sports? He didn't think till Thanksgiving. Ooh, I don't like the sounds of that. That's a dire prediction. Yeah, it's that they've been talking about that a little bit. I hope that's yeah. Oof. I hope he's wrong. I hope he's wrong. Too. Uh, we will talk about former Husker basketball star Martise Ivy, the native of Omaha. She is going into the Nebraska Athletic Hall of Fame. You talk about someone who was worthy of that. Ugh. 1988 Big Eight Player of the Year. She scored more than 2,000 points as a Husker. We'll get her thoughts on that. Also, we'll uh, hear from UNK women's assistant coach Devin Amy about what what this dead period has meant for colleges. Uh, spring's usually big time for college basketball, especially on the recruiting front. And he says it has changed things up a little bit. And did you see where, for the last 17 years, the folks at Wimbledon paid $2 million a year for pandemic insurance? Really? Yes. And they paid for it again this year. And that has helped them out to the tune of $141 million that they would have lost with not having the Fortnite, but yet they wow. were insured. Way to go. Yeah. Was that like Lloyd's of London, I wonder, you know, the guys who uh, do all kinds of weird stuff? That I don't know, but uh, <laughs> that $34 million they have paid over the course of the last 17 years certainly coming in handy this summer. Good grief. They should run for prime minister, I think. They're very good. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. We'll turn it over to Bob Brogan. And I don't know if you had any pandemic insurance at all, Bob. Or... No, I no? did not. Okay. Um, of course, you know, my banker didn't advise it. So, well, <laughs> stay tuned, though. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank Stocks you. are climbing and trading on Wall Street after the Federal Reserve launched its latest unprecedented effort to support the economy through the coronavirus outbreak. Also, the Federal Reserve is taking steps to provide up to $2.3 trillion in loans to support the economy. And uh, with a startling 6.6 million people seeking jobless benefits last week, the U.S. has reached a grim landmark as far as uh, jobless benefits. 
All right. That's all coming up on Mid-Tip. Rely on KRVN for up-to-date information on COVID-19. From closings, the latest governor's press conference, and DHHS virus reports, we'll bring you the facts and latest news on the coronavirus. Visit our coronavirus information tab at krvn.com for up-to-the-minute local and state news, and tune in every weeknight at 5 p.m. for a special KRVN this evening. Depend on KRVN to keep you informed on COVID-19. COVID-19 coverage is brought to you by Cozad Community Health. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in studio with me here. And if you were planning an outdoor excursion on (laughs) Easter, don't. Yes. How does that old song go? I'm dreaming of a white yeah, Easter. Or right. Do I have that I mixed up with something else? Yeah, I don't think that's. I don't <laughs> think that's at all how uh, it wasn't a white Easter that uh, Danny Kay and uh, Bing Crosby were at either. So I, I don't understand. No, those weren't the intentions. Okay, no, 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 all right. Sorry, well, we're, we could see that a white pros- the prospects of a white Easter are on the way for Easter Sunday. Not looking at major accumulations, but we could see some wind driven and accumulating snow with this system moving through. You know, we've had there's been some pretty bad good friday storms mm-hmm. haven't there historically if i remember right yeah i, I imagine you know nothing yeah. comes to mind but right. you know in april we could just we get, get anything right march and april you're just kind of vulnerable to anything anywhere from 90 degree temperatures just a few days ago uh-huh. to snow accumulating on easter sunday here yeah it's just ridiculous all right what do you got for us right now we do have temperatures in the upper 40s to low 50s also some gusty north and northwest winds creating some critical fire conditions for today, especially in central and east areas of Nebraska into north-central Kansas. Right now, some persistent clouds stretching from about Ogallala and North Platte to the Lexington area to south of Kearney to about Hebron. Also, some patchy thin clouds as you do head towards far southwest Nebraska into northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado. Temperatures, though, in the upper 40s to the low 50s. We'll get that reinforcing shot of cold air today, pushing to the south with some strong high pressure, leading to temperatures that are going to be about 10 degrees below normal. Fire danger, very critical levels. Once again, central and eastern Nebraska into north central Kansas in a red flag warning for this afternoon because of some northwest winds that are going to gust up to 45 and humidity as low as 15%. Tonight's big story, much colder air dropping into the 20s. In case you do have any sensitive plants, you may want to get those covered up. With high pressure moving overhead for tonight, winds will diminish and turn to the east. We'll get on the backside of that area of high pressure for tomorrow and Saturday. A southerly flow will return those temperatures to seasonal and slightly warmer than normal. Better enjoy it because it does go downhill after that. Rain and thunderstorm chances return with a cold front late Saturday afternoon through Saturday night. With some colder air mixing in, accumulating, and wind-driven snow as possible Easter Sunday into Sunday night. Now, there's still a lot of uncertainty with the exact timing of the cold air, which will greatly impact that precipitation type. Right now, some forecast models indicating the potential of one to three inches of snow in Nebraska and a little less in northern Kansas. But, of course, with the warm ground temperatures, that snow not going to last long. Monday through Wednesday, mainly dry and temperatures staying on the chilly side at 20 to 25 degrees colder than normal. Our long-term forecast holds on to those much cooler temperatures, especially early on for Nebraska and Kansas. Colder than normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the U.S. Tuesday through April 22nd. The precipitation outlook Tuesday through the 22nd 
indicates near normal to below normal precipitation for Nebraska and Kansas. Soil temperatures four inches down at seven this morning in the northern third of Nebraska in the upper 30s. The rest of Nebraska with soil temperatures in the low half of the 40s. Much of Kansas with soil temperatures in the mid to upper 40s. Soil temperatures in the low 50s over south central and southeast Kansas. In the latest regional drought monitor, Nebraska improved four percentage points to just shy of 100% drought free. Just a little part of southern Cheyenne County and the southern panhandle towards Sydney is abnormally dry. Kansas improved five percentage points to 91% drought free. Abnormal dryness to severe drought continues in the southwest. Weather factors driving the markets include a cold weather pattern forming for the central U.S. and ongoing dry conditions in southern Brazil and Argentina. The plains and Midwest will see a stop in field work by next week with widespread moderate to heavy precipitation and some much colder temperatures in the southern plains. In the Southern Plains, some much colder weather this weekend into next week bears some watching for possible damage to winter wheat. Lows in the upper teens and low 20s forecast for parts of Nebraska and Kansas. In southern Brazil crop areas, crop estimates are reduced by ongoing dryness. The rain continues to be in the forecast, though, for central and northern Brazil. In central Argentina, the dry late-season trend has caused some reduction for their crop prospects. So we really are, uh, you know, we're kind of going to, put a halt to the rising uh, soil temperatures probably here for a while too. exactly right. especially after today a uh, little bit of a rebound maybe for tomorrow but yeah starting next week those soil temperatures are going to drop but those temperatures once again 20 to 25 degrees below normal for easter sunday into much of the early half of next week and it really doesn't start showing any signs of letting up till maybe after the 22nd Ugh. all right well i guess encourage us to stay in the house then exactly yeah. thank you paul i appreciate it. where do you go to get your weather Weather tab, krvn.com. The Egler Entrepreneurship Journey. Celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. Finding that wrong chord and fixing it so that you know you can deliver the fine music to other people. I think that's entrepreneurship. Thanks so much for joining. Sushant Timosina is a junior at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. He was raised on a dairy farm in Nepal, which is a country in Southeast Asia. He came to the United States to study ag economics and statistics. So, funny thing, UNL was the only school that I actually applied to because I didn't really want to come to the United States. I wanted to stay in Nepal uh, and work in our farm because labor is not that... You can't find labor because people usually don't like working in farms. And we hand milk our cows, so... I grew up milking cows by hand, and it's one of those stories that not, not a lot of people know. Sushant's family dairy farm in Nepal was started by his entrepreneurial father. I did not realize what entrepreneurship was, but I grew up with the best entrepreneurs, and um, that led me by an example that were my parents, because mm-hmm. our family, our farm was started when my dad, he decided to leave home, that's in a remote location, came to the capital and wanted to like make a living you know provide for the family so he was pretty entrepreneurial and he always had these crazy ideas about like investing in different different areas and stuff like that and that kind of like now when i think about it i did grow up with entrepreneurs i didn't actually know what entrepreneurship was till i came to nebraska and when Sushant moved to Nebraska to begin his secondary education, he immersed himself into the Angler program to explore his entrepreneurial capabilities. You know, one of the mentors, Dave Lamb, in the Angler program, he always inspired me in a way. And he told me that, you know, you're pretty entrepreneurial. Look at your journey. And then when I went back home, 
after that meeting, and it played back in my head, I realized that, yes, I'm entrepreneurial. I'm, I'm more entrepreneurial than most of the people. The journey, the growth, all the knowledge that I had, had assembled throughout my journey was immense. Through Sushant's involvement in the Angler program, he's learned that entrepreneurship is not solely about owning a business. We went around uh, UNL asking non-business major and business majors about entrepreneurship, and all of them replied that entrepreneurship is about business, starting a business. Mm-hmm. And it's not technically true. It's about learning and relearning and kind of gathering what you've learned and using it to help other people. The Angler program has allowed Sushant to recreate and refine his purpose in life to help other people. I used to be a really negative person when mm-hmm. I when I was growing up. I was very pessimistic and I didn't understand a lot of things because I was arrogant. But um, a spark suddenly ignited inside of me. Like, this is all wrong. This is not me. You know, like, you know how you uh, present yourself to other people and then deep inside of you, you're like, this is not me. You know, this is, this, I, I'm, I'm better than this. Mm-hmm. So that spark kind of ignited. And that ignition led Sushant to discover his entrepreneurial talents. Today, he has his own YouTube channel where he posts videos that spread positive messages and promote leadership. I recently started a YouTube channel. I I have four videos uh, under my name. Um, it's, the channel's name is Sushanti Mosina. And uh, it's all about positivity because I, I have learned it the hard way that, you know, when you become positive, it just shapes who you are and it just makes it better. You know, when you're positive, there's nothing bad that can happen to you, you know, because you see everything in a positive light. You can learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln by visiting angler.unl.edu. Thanks so much for joining. Until next time, I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, women's basketball standout Martise Ivy will be the fourth member of this year's Nebraska Athletic Hall of Fame class. Ivy was the top player on the first conference championship team and first NCAA tournament team in Nebraska women's basketball history. She also was the 1988 Big 8 Player of the Year. She talks about some of the similarities of playing in high school in Omaha Central and then moving on to play for the Big Red. I went to two programs that really hadn't been doing really well and um, you know I was with a group of uh, young women and in both scenarios in both situations where we collectively decided we wanted to do something different with the program and man it just uh, you know it turned out right. Ivy was a guest last night on Sports Nightly the first 2,000 point score in program history she also was the first Husker to be a three-time all-conference selection and first to be named conference player of the year. Certainly has been a different offseason for college sports programs. The spring is usually a big time for college basketball teams. UNK women assistant Devin Amy says the NCAA's extended dead period has made things different, especially on the recruiting front. It's a little difficult for us with the high school kids who are recruiting for the following class because um, we do a lot of visits in April, and, and now we're kind of <laughs> sitting here going, okay, it doesn't look like May, and then you know, you're reading stuff, and we think it could go all the way into the, the fall, and they're scared that, it could affect the fall sports, which ultimately could affect the winter sports for next year. And I know no one wants to think like that, but, you know, we're just trying to 
kind of have some plans. There's no protocol on it. There's no playbook. UNK is in a better spot than most schools. The Lopers already have a roster of 15 players and have three players already signed for next season. Well, Creighton is adding another sharpshooter to its roster after finishing last year's one of the top three-point shooting teams in America. Duke transfer Alex O'Connell announced his commitment to the Blue Jays yesterday. That was about three weeks after he announced he was planning on leaving Duke. The six foot six O'Connell hit 36% of his three-pointers over three years at Duke and has one season of eligibility remaining. Tom Taverdi is stepping down as head coach of the Seward Girls basketball program. He spent 18 years at the helm of the Lady Jays on two different occasions and accumulated a record of 470 and 183, putting him 16th on the career wins list. Under his direction, Seward won 104 straight games from 2009 to 2012, which ranked second all-time behind West Point Guardian Angels Central Catholic. Tiberti also led Seward to four straight Class B titles from 2009 to 2012. Before coaching at Seward, Tiberti also was a head coach at Cozad and Gothenburg, and he also coached a stint in Fremont. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgens. The chairman of the legislature's Appropriations Committee, Senator John Stinner of Gearing, and depth of any economic downturn caused by the coronavirus pandemic could have a significant impact on Nebraska's state and local finances for years to come. Stinner said during a Platt Institute webinar on the state budget and COVID-19 that another factor is whether federal money can be used to address revenue reduction. Stinner added the current budget proposal pending in the legislature, which includes a significant increase in the state's cash reserve, a 3% spending increase, and $30 million in discretionary funds is probably no longer relevant due to the pandemic. And in this situation, those discretionaries would go away. But if we don't readjust the budget, if we don't readjust what the revenue uh, forecast is going into next year, then we'll have that situation where we'll have a two budget year where we're adjusting the current year and um, then going into the next biennium trying to do uh, a budget for the next biennium. The gearing lawmaker says he's waiting to see if and how federal stimulus money can be used to help local governments expected to lose a chunk of income due to lower sales tax revenues. Stinner would not support raising taxes to fill any revenue shortfalls, saying doing so in a recessionary environment would burden people with more taxes when they're just trying to survive economically. State health officials say a third staff member and three residents at Nebraska's Youth Rehabilitation and Treatment Center in Kearney have tested positive for the coronavirus. Those were the results released late Wednesday of facility-wide testing after two staff members initially tested positive for COVID-19. Officials say the infected staffer is self-isolating and monitoring symptoms at home. The three boys are asymptomatic and are self-isolating in individual rooms at the center. The Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services says all necessary areas in the facility have been sanitized and that all staff and youth continue to be monitored for symptoms. Jeff Kanger, Executive Vice President at First State Bank Nebraska, joined the governor at Wednesday's COVID-19 news conference. He outlined his bank's efforts to provide low interest, potentially forgivable loans to small businesses as part of the Paycheck Protection Program. The Paycheck Protection Program kind of has four quarters to it. The first quarter, get the applications, run them through with SBA, process them, get funding secured for the small businesses that need that money to maintain payroll. 
That's the best snapshot of where we stand today. We're coming to the end of quarter one. And as the governor mentioned, the state has processed $1.5 billion in these applications. As of the close of business on April 7th, the community banks had already submitted 7,800 applications for federal review, totaling in excess of $1.47 billion. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Well, one FFA member is making the most out of social distancing while making a big name for himself. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network, and today we're joined on the phone by Sam L. Smith. He's a member of the Montgomery County FFA chapter over in Kentucky. He's also a Christian country recording artist. Sam, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Well, I just want to get to know you a little bit more, first of all. So tell us about yourself. Well, uh, I'm a junior in high school. Uh, and uh, I barrel race. Uh, I compete when I can. We do a little bit of farming, so it's not all singing and all that kind of stuff. So we farm a little bit, but uh, I sing at a lot of churches, festivals, you name it, I sing at it. So Very good. And you recently released a song called Blue Jackets. Tell us a little bit about the song and, and kind of the inspiration behind it. Okay. Uh, Blue Jackets was written by uh, a friend of mine, uh, Nate Jackson, and myself. But before that was even, you know, come up about, uh, I went to the National Convention, the 92nd National Convention, which was 2019. Went down there and uh, competed in national talent. Uh, was the top three uh, in the nation, so that was really exciting. And uh, going down there to the National Convention in Indianapolis, you, you see all these blue jackets. And uh, I was headed home from National Convention, I went down and uh, called my producer up, Nate Jackson. Uh, he produced that song and helped out a lot. And uh, I sent him a text, and I said, what do you think about Blue Jackets? And uh, it really kind of stuck, the title did. And uh, so I went to his house, wrote the song, went down to Nashville, uh, got some, some of the best musicians to play on that song, and uh, cut the vocals on it. I did it for all the FFA members, and... Uh, I'm so glad to see that the national organization has caught on to the song and really enjoying the whole song. And uh, so this is for all the FFA members, Blue Jackets. Okay, well, before we move on, Sam, I just want to play a quick snippet of that song. So here it is. Brothers and sisters all across this land Wearing them old blue jackets This country's in their hands They're going to work the and Sam, this this isn't the only song you have, though. Tell us about some of your other music. Yes, yeah, Phone Call to Heaven. Uh, that's my latest uh, Christian country album. My single on there, Good to Go, was my first single I ever cut. And uh, it went really well for me. And uh, what really got me started into singing is uh, this pretty cool story. Is uh, I went to uh, uh, middle school and uh, never sung in my whole life. And uh, missed the school bus, and the choir teacher got a hold of me. And uh, because I was sitting and waiting for the bus, and I had to call my parents and had to go through all that. And my choir teacher was like, man, you have an interesting voice for your age. Why don't you join choir? A lot of mercy. I didn't know I could sing a lick. But uh, he's like, well, i tell you what. You learn this song for the Christmas recital. A song that Elvis does called Blue Christmas. So uh, I've done that song for, uh, and uh, went on Facebook, and people really enjoyed it. 
And then I started uh, reaching out to churches and really starting to sing. Nothing, you know, not a lot, just, you know, sing when I could. And uh, we started that round, and then it really became a, uh, a thing I really wanted to do. It opened up my eyes, and I was like, man, this is what I want to pursue in, is in music. So uh, a guy heard me at a church, and uh, we've worked with him for the past couple of years, and uh, he's helped me with the business side of the music and on the, the writing side and the recording side. So uh, he's helped me a whole lot, and that's really how I got you know, into music is uh, with that one song, Blue Christmas. Sam, you were standing on a stage in front of thousands of people during National Convention. What's your advice to all of those FFA members who were looking up to you saying, man, I want to be that successful? Oh, well, uh, i just tell you what, I give the glory to God. Uh, none of this would happen if it wasn't for him. And uh, if uh, you're uh, interested in doing national talent, just go up there, be yourself, be who you are originally. Don't try to act like anybody else. Just be yourself and have a smile on your face and uh, hang on because it'll be a fun ride. Very good. Do you have a favorite song or a favorite lyric that you want to share? I really like the song, and maybe some of you know it, and maybe some of you don't, but uh, the Easter Brothers out of North Carolina do a song. It's called Thank You, Lord, for Your Blessings on Me. And, uh, you know, we have a lot to be thankful in life. And uh, it says, uh, there's a roof up above me. I got food on my table and shoes on my feet. And, uh, you know, I'm just so uh, thankful for all the many blessings that we're allowed to have in this life. And uh, even though, like, uh, as we obviously know in this time, it it can be rough. But uh, I'm just so glad for all the uh, opportunities that I'm allowed to have and so thankful and blessed. Awesome. Sam, what is the best way to connect with you and, and hear more of your songs? Absolutely. Well, check me out on uh, all the music platforms, YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, and uh, connect with me on Facebook, Sam L. Smith, and uh, on Instagram, Sam L. Smith Music. And uh, you can follow me and keep up with me. We have a lot of exciting stuff coming out and uh, so excited to share some more stuff that uh, true country music fans and uh, Christian country fans would love to hear. Great information. Well, thanks so much for joining us. That's been Sam L. Smith. He's a member of the Montgomery County FFA chapter in Kentucky. As we've been talking about his music career and most recently his song titled Blue Jackets. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are climbing and trading on Wall Street after the Federal Reserve launched its latest unprecedented effort to support the economy through the coronavirus outbreak. Central banks said it took actions to provide up to $2.3 trillion in loans to households, local governments, and small and large businesses as the country tips into what economists say may be the worst recession in decades. The S&P 500 is on track for a gain of more than 12% for the holiday-shortened week. That would be its best performance since 1974. U.S. stock markets are closed tomorrow for Good Friday. The Federal Reserve is taking additional steps to provide up to $2.3 trillion in loans to support the economy. 
The money will be provided to American households and businesses as well as local governments as they deal with the coronavirus. The Fed says among the actions it is taking is the activation of a Main Street business lending program that was authorized by the CARES Act, the largest economic rescue program ever approved by Congress. With a startling 6.6 million people seeking jobless benefits last week, the United States has reached a grim landmark. Roughly 1 in 10 workers have lost their jobs in just the past three weeks. The figures collectively constitute the largest and fastest string of job losses in records dating back to 1948. They paint a picture of a job market that is quickly unraveling as businesses have shut down across the country because of the coronavirus outbreak. More than 20 million Americans may lose jobs this month. President Trump's urgent request for $250 billion to supplement a business paycheck protection program for firms crippled by the coronavirus outbreak has hit a roadblock in the Senate. Democrats stalled the legislation today, demanding protections for minority-owned businesses as well as matching money for health care providers and state and local governments. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob. Protect yourself and others from COVID-19. Nebraskans can help protect themselves from the coronavirus and other respiratory infections by staying home if you are sick and avoiding close contact with those who are sick. Washing hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based sanitizer. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects and surfaces. For more information, visit krvn.com. Panic has been an underlying factor of the COVID-19 pandemic. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. When the virus was announced last month, consumers began a spree of buying and cleaning out grocery stores, causing an instant supply and demand problem. The cattle producers have seen the effects of the panic as cattle prices jumped and fell. Lex Madden, auctioneer and co-owner of Torrington Livestock Markets in Torrington, Wyoming, says the whole situation is uncertain. Two weeks ago, we had fat cattle at 110 and jumped the bid the next week to 119, 120. So fats were $10 higher, and you've had uh, you go into supermarkets, and you know it's hard to find hamburger and steak, etc. So there, people were in a lot of uh, panic over buying and and getting supplies out of the groceries and stuff. So boxes, the demand for boxes jumped up about $52, I think, in seven or eight working days. Uh, On March 13th, when a national pandemic was declared, restaurants closed and began canceling meat orders to packers. Beef dropped from $1.12 to $1.05. You know, in one week, some of the fats could have been anywhere from 8 to $15 lower. Same thing we saw here at, at Torrington Livestock. Demand was good for, you know, the panic buying on on ground beef and hamburger. So last week we walk in here, it's like it's like it's a different place. U.S. Senator Deb Fisher, a member of the Senate Agriculture Committee, sent a letter earlier this week to USDA Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue to look into potential market manipulation in the beef packing industry. I've um, I've had a pretty good working relationship with uh, Secretary Perdue. And uh, he is doing an investigation right now on that uh, Holcomb fire that I was talking about that happened in Kansas about a year ago. So I am asking the Department of Agriculture to expand that investigation uh, into the margins that we're seeing on beef pricing to include what we're seeing with the recent market impacts 
as a result of the coronavirus. On Wednesday, Purdue announced on Twitter the USDA would launch an inquiry into meatpackers' margins for beef during the coronavirus outbreak that has stirred accusations of market manipulation from some cattle producers. While this is good news, there are cattle producers who say this could have been avoided if laws which are in place would be enforced by the government. Michael Schmidt, co-owner of Torrington Livestock Markets, says the government needs to give the producers a level playing field. They've got a foothold on our market, the way that they produce a wholesome protein, satisfies the government, it's safe, it's fairly cost-effective, and they allow those people to make an enormous profit while they allow us to barely survive. We can blame ourselves for some of the circumstances we're in, but ultimately, we need to be able to be given an opportunity to return to a level playing field. And Schmidt says there will be positives to come out of this pandemic crisis. So let's bleak now, but as we go forward and pick ourselves back up, Number one, I look for agricultural to lead the economy back to a very robust time. And I think the lessons that we've learned from now, if we have enough uh, self-fortitude and discipline to enforce what we've learned, we're going to be better for it. Senator Fisher also wrote to Chairman Mike Lee of the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Antitrust Competition Policy and Consumer Rights. Beef slaughter and processing in the U.S. is highly concentrated and dominated by four companies. A surge in meat packers' margins after a fire last year shut down a packing plant in Holcomb, Kansas, also stirred complaints from cattle producers that the companies unfairly took advantage of the situation and is also under investigation. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Radio Network, and I'm joined now with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, taking a look here as the settlements start to roll in, really the WASI report, although it had maybe some bearish stockpiles, really USDA trying to come up with uses for a lot of that grain. Yeah, it's nice to see. I think um, they, they were pretty optimistic on a few things, but to be honest, the market is so bearish right now, I, I think... You know, it's going to take it with a grain of salt and kind of look for reasons to continue to sell off. The short-term market, in my opinion, is pretty pretty good given the exports. Um, just just given the fact that Argentina and Brazil don't have any corn, really to get them through the next two months without new supply. So I don't think they're gonna, they're going to have any issues with new crop. But that could be a story here as we kind of move forward into the uh, into the spring. I still think if you're going to bet on a big rally, you maybe save some of your chips for after the first of the month. That's the, the typical delivery period. A lot of folks need to need to price grain, but um, all in all, you know, this is an opportunity long term. Just given that everybody's so one sided, I mean, I could sit here and talk to you for twenty five minutes about how to be bearish grains, but when you look up, you're going to see prices reflect that pretty well. As well, looking forward, we go and we look at those outside currencies. With the OPEC meeting today, the ruble seeing some strength, along with the dollar being a little bit deflationary. This has got to be positive as well. That, yes, that is the key. And if you kind of watch Casey Wheat here, I think Casey Wheat's the, the real good indicator for that. Um, you know, it was, it was Chicago was down, Minneapolis was down early in the day, and then Casey was kind of holding its own, and then, you know, an hour before we closed just took off. And I, I think that's that's the market here. Well, that'll dictate world feed prices. And, um, you know, essentially looking at gold being up $50, um, I mean, the, the end result of all of this, Clay, is going to be inflationary. I think that... You know, I'll be willing to kind of stake my reputation on saying that on the radio, just given that there has to be some sort of ramification to this. Otherwise, we're going to find this new solution to just 
printing money and canceling things when things are bad. I mean, that, that can't be the solution. So um, I think long-term here, everything is bearish. It's usually a good time to buy. Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. You can learn more at their website. That's danielzagmarketing.com. Again, danielzagmarketing.com. Email out that daily newsletter this week in Grains or this day in Grains, even. So the WASD, again, a big number there. But it was the corn stockpiles. Again, they came up a little bit, over 2 billion bushels. But yet ethanol demand was lowered by about 375 million bushels. USDA helping to offset some of that with 150 million bushels and more feed intake as well. Uh, soybean crush also up about 20 million bushels. Hey, and that'll do it for Thursday's edition of our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday podcasted version in its entirety, go to podcast on krvn.com or subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Our midday podcast is sponsored by Deveni Motors. Howdy folks, this is Rick from Divini Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.